Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode 90 of the Reinventure Me Podcast. What would you do if money were no object? Wait, don't answer that question. It's entirely stupid. Listen to this episode instead to find out why. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me Podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hi, and welcome to episode 90 of the Reinventure Me podcast. This is Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. And we are 10 episodes away from three digits, Armin. That's crazy. Hey! It's like, uh, <laughs> it's like people's goal to get to a six-figure income or seven-figure income. That was my goal, to get to three-figure episodes. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's good that that's a goal because we're more likely to get to that yeah. than we are a six-figure income I know, with right? these episodes. <laughs> hey. This is what you call a labor of love. That's right. We made it. We stuck this out. Hey, well, you know, that's not so bad because most podcasters do not make it past episode seven. Are you serious? Yeah, I read that. How, like what percent? Uh, Most. <laughs> That's all I read. <laughs> That's crazy. There probably is actually a statistic. I don't know what it is. I didn't know that. But it's crazy. Yeah. Wow, so everybody just falls off. So look, little high fives. Boom. Boom, chicka, chicka, bang, bang. <laughs> Nobody can see us doing the pound over here, but that's okay. <laughs> we're celebrating. Hey, uh, uh, put up with us while we have our little celebratory. Well, you know, we're going to go really crazy for episode 100. So I know, right? We need to start now inviting our listeners to suggest topics for our 100th episode oh man that's gonna be crazy it is gonna be fun so we're only 10 weeks away from that it'll be in the new year 2016 man that's crazy it's gonna be fun that's right so how are you today sweater man (laughs) (laughs) i gotta stop wearing sweaters (laughs) well i saw i saw you were already getting a little bit hot there's nothing i can do about this one there's no like zip up button if it's on so Uh, uh, well that's uh, in case you have missed our facebook videos which are always a lot of fun i've been teasing I've been teasing Armin a bit about being his superpower is wearing sweaters. sweaters. That's my new nickname, Sweater Man. The most worthless superpower of all. <laughs> well, actually, it, you work, it works really well for you. Oh, so. thank you. <laughs> well, enough about all that. We're here in this podcast to help you to discover new wardrobes, <laughs> new ways to reinvent your life, your opportunities, and the venture God's called you into. This is the Reinventory Podcast. We're on episode 90, which means... If you want to go back to anything that we might have said and you want to get some of the notes about that, you can find that at reinventure.me slash nine zero, and that'll get you there. We always like in these shows to have some kind of inspiration quote, and Armin has a today's quote. Yeah, this one is from James Dean, a famous actor. If you don't James Dean. know him because you're a millennial, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's quoted saying, dream as if you will live forever, live as if you will die today. 
which is very appropriate seeing how young he died. Yeah, right, exactly. How old was he when he died? Uh, I don't know. Let's yeah. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> he was pretty young. Yeah, he was pretty young. I, I, I think he was in his 20s or early 30s, wasn't yeah, he? He, I think, exemplified that, yeah. that uh, he, was, he was quite an energetic guy. And mm-hmm. I like that quote because we often don't do those two things. We don't dream as if we have a long horizon right. to work on our dream. And we often live as if we are going to have yeah, a long horizon, and, right. and we we are lackadaisical about what it, our pursuits are. Of course, if you are listening to the Reinventure Me podcast, you're likely listening to it because you really do want to pursue the things that are important to you, and you know you're here for a reason. You want to do that. But I was out about a while back, <laughs> and I, I saw one of those billboards that has the lotto numbers up. Oh, like a Powerball. Powerball, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like $103 million or whatever. No biggie, yeah. yeah. And the question it says on the billboard is, what is your dream? Hmm. So, Armin, if you had as much money as you needed, if money were no object, what would you do with it? I don't want to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> I really hate because that Because it's kind of a been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, I hate that question. That's well, what well, you should hate it because it's a stupid question, <laughs> really and that's is. what we're talking about today. It is. I don't know how many of these workshops I've gone to, you know, that want to try to bring out your purpose and what are you here for, and they're like, okay, so write down what you would do if money were no object. I hate that question. I know. It's a stupid question. Yeah, because all of a sudden, you have to think in a way that you have never had to think before, and all of a sudden, that's not even the important thing, but all of a sudden, you're creating what you want based on money rather than desire passion purpose meaning it's all based on money i hate that question so and it's well it's a stupid question and i think there are three reasons why it's a stupid question it's built on three faulty assumptions okay tell me about those well well here's the first one it's built on the assumption that your dream is costly in other words right. you know that it's going to take a lot right and, and that's not necessarily the case yeah right we get conditioned just think about this for a second I think our culture conditions us to think about anything that's worthwhile is going to require a lot of money to obtain it. Mm-hmm. It's got to be the number one dream killer for most people, right? It is. When I've done my dream intensive workshops and we talk about the things that cause resistance, mm-hmm. the number one thing that comes up for people is they don't feel like they have the financial means to accomplish what they believe they're here on earth to accomplish. Right. And my comment is, well, if God put you here on earth to accomplish something (laughs) and he didn't give you the resources to accomplish it, then either he's at fault or you're at fault. I mean, so it's either faulty thinking on our part or faulty thinking on his. Yeah. And I think I kind of know which way that comes down (laughs) because I know how it comes down in my own own life, (laughs) you know? So we get this idea that we have to have something in order to get something. Yeah. You know, so we have to have money in order to get that is not creating a dream. You know what that is? That's buying a dream. That's a transaction. Right on. That's yeah. not a creation. Yeah. Right? And what ends up happening is it's just a form of linear thinking mm-hmm. that I won't do something until something happens. So hey, if I do get that Powerball ticket, yeah, that winning lottery, and I've got now all this money in the bank I don't know what to do with, now all of a sudden the world is going to open up for me. And it's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, the problem that we have, I think, Armin, is that it creates a double bind. What do you mean by that? Well, first of all, when we feel that we have to have 
some money in order to make a move. And okay. this whole podcast really is about making your next move, right? Sure, yeah. When we feel like we've got to have money to make a move, then we lower our risks because it, it until it's there, mm-hmm. we won't do something. Yeah. And then the double bind is that we also then look at fear of losing what we presently have, even mm. if we don't like it. Yeah. So it's kind of like that devil that you know is better than the devil that you, that you don't. don't know. Right. You know, and that's the challenge that we get is, and so it keeps us stuck. And the result is that our dream is just a dream that will wisp away. Right. Because we never do anything with it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden we're on the deferred life plan. This is something I'll get to when this happens or that happens or I've got enough resources yeah. to make it happen. And the truth of all that, Armin, is that what's costly about our dream is ignoring it, thinking that it takes money to fund it. Yeah. Because every minute that you don't pursue the thing you're designed to pursue is a minute wasted waiting for something to come in, your ship to come in. Right on. In order for you to get it. And it's funny because I literally just had a meeting today with someone right before coming here. And we talked about his dream. And first thing that killed it is money and time. Yeah. Right. I and don't have time. I don't have money. Yeah. Those are it, the two big things. Yeah. Right? And it's so weird. Or, or else they and, say and Einstein, not now. And Einstein proved that time is money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Good formula. But it, it is a weird thing because you instantly put a cost to it that you haven't even really pursued yet. Right. You haven't put pen to paper. You haven't you haven't really created a plan. You haven't really created a strategy. You haven't done anything. You have this idea. And before you've done anything else beyond the idea, you've already come up with objections to the idea by saying, how much is it going to cost in time? How much is it going to cost with money? And then immediately you have your two, you know, number one and two reason that says, I'm not even going to try. Right. But at the end of the day, every time you say, I'll have more time later or I'll have more money later, you keep waiting for something that's not going to happen because you're going to stay just as busy and you're going to have just as many bills. Yeah, think back over the things that you felt good about what you've accomplished in your life and ask yourself, like even even your marriage, you know, your right. your investment in your marriage. Ask yeah. yourself, was that easier or harder than I thought it would be? Mm. Yeah. And it's more likely to be harder, right? Yeah. But that's what was worthwhile. And we never really know what the full cost of something is. But if we think we've got to have all of those financial resources at our disposal yeah. and what we end up doing is we shut down our mind mm-hmm. and we stop solving the problems or solving the situation or trying to find creative ways to get around that yeah and i think sometimes the sacrifice that, that we think a dream cost is too much but for some people out there i think the sacrifice of not pursuing your dream is a greater sacrifice that's exactly right that's the bigger cost right when you put it on hold you're paying a bigger price than what you're waiting for yeah. to fund it. Yeah. And it's a lost life. It's a wasted life. I mean, I even look at what you've done. Sorry, we're going way too far on a rabbit trail, but I even look at what you've done. You're someone who could have stayed in the corporate path. You could have been CEO of some fairly large company in the several hundreds of millions, if not in the billions. You could have had an amazing career in the corporate circles. And you made a huge sacrifice in saying, no, I'm going to leave that path. I'm going to forget about this whole corporate thing. And I'm going to go down the path of consulting at, at the sacrifice of making, what, 39 cents an hour for yeah, that I'm, first I'm, year? I'm depressed now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if I look at you pursuing your dream and making that dream come true, and I look at the history 
and the number of people's lives you've impacted by the decision that you mm-hmm. made. You not only gave yourself purpose and meaning in a life that you thoroughly enjoy. I've never seen you not enjoy life. I've seen mm-hmm. you be overwhelmed, but mm-hmm. I've never seen you not enjoy mm-hmm. life. But I've yet to meet someone that you've come across that didn't say you've Larry added value to me or he changed my mm. life. Mm. Wow. All right. <laughs> I'm going to go quiet in a moment of just reflection. <laughs> but Thank it's you, true, Armin. though. That's, that, that's awesome. And, and I think that is what we're talking about, that we can lose out on a greater path for us individually when we think that the, the only solution to a path is an economic one. Right. So that's the first, that's the first kind of fallacious assumption. I think that that whole question belies is that your dream is costly. The second is this, that your dream, your real dream can be purchased. Mm. And I mentioned a minute ago that, that it's a transaction when you think, well, yeah. it only takes this and then we can, we can make it happen. The truth is, if you're waiting for financial freedom before you pursue your dream, then you really don't love your dream enough to pursue it. Yeah. Because you are looking to buy it, yeah. not to create it. If you think about it, when we were younger, some of my friend's dream was just a dream girl. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And if you look at a dream through the lens of your dream girl, her dream husband, dream wife, and you think about it, about it in the sense of purchasing it. Mm-hmm. It's a weird, it's a weird <laughs> it thing, right? It it's is. The, the, your wife all of a sudden becomes a prostitute, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. Or a male order bride. Yeah. And there have, I mean, there there are transactions like that, you know, that occur in the real, real world yeah. because people, you know, marry for money. Right. And that's basically reducing it to that kind of transaction. Right. And I just think there is a certain value to your dream that's equal to your dream wife or dream husband that it shouldn't be purchased. Yeah. It should be. Well, if, if you are wrestling with an idea or a dream or something you've been shelving because you don't have enough money to make, get started at least in your mind about it. I want to just challenge you to think about this, that the absence of money that you have right now may be a test of your devotion to the idea. Right on. Come on. You know, that's what we have to wrestle with is that do we love it enough to (laughs) pursue it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And when we think that so much depends on, on money, then we stop thinking about our dreams. That's the insidious thing. When, mm-hmm. when you start to equate the absence of financial resources with the fact that you can't pursue your dream, if you make that equation, then your brain is going to shut down in dreaming because if you don't have the financial resources, why think about something that to your own mind you're allowing yourself to think is impossible to right. pursue? And so then you become less creative and I've met so many people and I asked, you know, what, what are your aspirations? What are your dreams? Like they don't really know. And I think a lot of them have lost that. They've lost what they're living for. They've lost Mm. what they're thinking about. They don't really have any aspirations. They kind of want to make it to Friday because, you know, good things happen on the weekend, I guess. It's almost like a belief system thing, right? It's their dreams are bigger than their current reality. So they dismiss their dreams and accept their current reality and their current reality becomes their belief of what life can be. It can't be anything bigger than that. Yeah, because you're locked into our circumstances and this is one of the things we've talked about in earlier episodes. But I think the key here, Armin, is to reframe how we think about financial resources, how we think about the money that we might have or think we need. And instead of thinking about money, is it a barrier? Instead of thinking about it as a barrier, think about it instead as a constraint. Mm-hmm. It's subtle, but you see a barrier keeps you from advancing. Yeah. But a constraint funnels you. It focuses you. It causes you to 
pursue options, yes, they might be narrower. We're not saying that if you weren't plopped a million dollars that you probably couldn't find some use for that. Right? You'd probably actually go bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, actually, have no purpose. I, 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 I would spending. say. I would say uh, this is a point I want to make next. But I think if you if you had it without the prior work, you probably would waste it anyway. Right. <laughs> but the point about it is, if we reframe our thinking about financial resources not as a barrier to our dream, but a constraint to it that mm-hmm. can be solved, then it focuses the mind in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But when we think about it as a barrier, the mind says, "Oh." can't do anything about it so yeah. why deal with it yeah one of my favorite quotes i don't know who said it so i'm not going to even pretend to quote the person but Lily they Tomlin. yeah <laughs> but the person said it doesn't take a smart man to make money it takes a smart man to keep money and the example that this person used was actually powerball winners so oh, yeah yeah sure. they said a vast majority and i think if i remember the number he used was 73 percent of powerball winners actually end up bankrupt within oh, yeah. the first five years i believe that right i believe that so it, back to your point of what's your dream sure i can give you that 103 million dollars that you won but can you keep it five years later yeah well let's that brings me right into the third point which is that the reason why it's a stupid question you know what would you do if money were no object mm-hmm. is because your real dream can't be achieved instantly right and we tend to think by that question, it belies this assumption that it can be, you know, mm-hmm. and we get all we need is money. Okay. So all we have is money and everything will appear. Everything else will be right in our world. You right. know? And we get indoctrinated with this instant gratification culture and everything yeah. is transactional. Everything is get it now. And we have a very consumer mentality about, you know, our pursuits. Right on. And I mean, if you think about entrepreneurial circles, you're in them, I'm in them. I don't know very many entrepreneurial circles of people who launched a business and had money to start with. Yeah, that's right. I just don't. And no matter how many millions of or hundreds of millions of dollars they've made now or a couple of them in the billions, they still didn't start with money. They started with an idea that they turned into a concept, into a model, so on and so the forth. Guy, I think you know the car that I won from this company that was giving away cars at trade shows. I happened to win a number of years ago. The guy who founded that company that was subsequently giving away cars because they were making so much money, Hmm. he started with 17 credit cards. That's how he financed his company. Wow. So, I mean, talk about taking a risk and putting it out there. But he was so in love with the idea that he was confident of the results. You know, that's how my business partner started. Is that right? Sam, yeah. Yeah. Started with a $20,000 credit card, built a kiosk. And six years earlier, it was an $18 million a year company. Well, shout out to Sam. Way to go, buddy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, that's a terrible business model, by the way. Don't follow that procedure. <laughs> Don't go credit card debt for your dream. Yeah, well, that's true. And you know, here's the thing. is If it takes money for you to start working on your dream, then you wouldn't likely spend it wisely when you had it. Mm-hmm. Because you'd be wasting it on things that you could have figured out when you didn't have it. Yeah. And you might as well start on the things that you can start with the constraints of having less. Yeah. And it's going to open up your ways to think creatively, to barter, mm-hmm. to in, to be more persuasive, to engage other people into what your idea is about, right. to find ways to get people to say, I'm doing this on a shoestring, mm-hmm. or maybe even to find a financer. Or business partners. Or business partners. There's lots of ways to do that. Yeah. You know, but the heart of the matter comes down to this, Armin. Go on. And that is... You know, the Bible really talks about two allegiances. We can uh, either choose to be for God yeah. or for money. For money. 
Yeah. And I'm wondering, is it possible that when we defer what we're supposed to do because we don't have money, that we may be listening to the wrong boss? That's so good. <laughs> right on, man. I you love know, that. It's it, You know, you tend to think, well, I'm not... I'm not money hungry. I'm not greedy. I'm not any of that. Mm-hmm. But do we ask ourselves the question, am I not doing something that I should be doing because I don't have it? Yeah. Which is just the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's basically saying I don't have money's permission yeah. to get going with my life. And mm. that isn't where we're supposed to get permission. Yeah. You know, so that's the, that's the core question here. Are we deferring our life because money is an object? Because that's the thing that rules over you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what's funny about, not that you'd be familiar with this, but growing up in the projects, one of the most popular songs that you would hear, it was a hip hop song. It was called Cream, C-R-E-A-M. And it just stood for cash rules, everything around me, cream, it's the money, dollar, dollar bills, y'all. So that was the actual verse, right? Are you going to go into song? No, I wish I I had some. You are Armin the dream. Straight from the loadout team of church. Yeah. But it's funny because that that was almost like a Bible verse that people used to kind of like, uh-huh. you know, say it back yep. to each other. Yep. But but that's 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 why you you always saw in the projects or in the ghettos the the concept of pursuing money, not dreams. You know, right. it's, everything was about money because money was the only thing that can get you what you want: women, cars, family. Well, and it's it's the one thing that not everybody has an equal measure because everybody has time in equal measure. Right. Right. But it's the one thing that you can measure. Mm -hmm. And so money becomes the currency of success. Right. We define success in American culture largely based on affluence and wealth. Right. But here's what I, I think where I saw a big change is growing up in the projects when money is the greatest thing that I saw, I grew up with the mentality saying that, well, if that's what takes, then law doesn't matter. Right. Then no, fill in the blank right. doesn't matter. Because everything else becomes subordinate to it. Right. That is the most because important Because if you thing have that, everything else submits to you. Correct. And that's the mentality I had. Yep. And look at the trajectory of my life. Where did I end up? But I didn't end up in the hood when I was 20 years old. I ended up in the hood when I was eight years old and yep. grew up there. Right. Yep. And I was only there for five years, but that's all it took for me to have that mentality. Yes. That by the time I was since 16 organized crime, so on and so forth, right? And then you come into the kingdom of God and you realize currency is very different. Mm -hmm. Power is is very different. It is, but as you said, we've got that ghetto thinking even in our own lives because we're basically saying, (laughs) hey, uh, I'm going to wait on this because I can't can't fund it. Well, find something that you can do with it. Mm -hmm. So instead of putting it out there and deferring it until this, that, or the other thing happens or until you somehow win the winning lottery ticket, right. you know, which I'll never win because <laughs> I never buy one. But if you want to buy one for me and you know, we'll go, we'll go. My luck. That'll be the one that wins. <laughs> no, give it back. <laughs> I'll share it with you. All right. I'll take it. <laughs> okay, we got a deal. <laughs> so here's maybe a more practical approach to this. And maybe this becomes the challenge me is to really ask yourself instead, what would you do if you had an extra thousand or ten thousand? How would you invest it? It's not like money's no object, right. but it's to say, what would you do in smaller increments? Because I think the idea is we can get our head around. All right, if somebody did write you a check for a thousand, if somebody did write you a check for ten thousand, yeah, what would you do with it? Yeah. Now, lest this sounds contradictory to all the things that we've just been saying, <laughs> right? <laughs> The point is to get that question out of your head first. 
Because what we end up doing is when we think about what it takes to finance our dream, we tend to think about a very big number, and it's this amorphous thing, and then it gets put into the bucket of impossibility. Hmm. But suppose you took out a piece of paper, and you said, all right, this is what I want to try to do. And now these are some of the things that I think I'm constrained by. But then say, what? What would it look like if I was given a thousand bucks? If I had an extra thousand bucks, how would I invest it in the dream? Right. If I was given ten thousand bucks, how would I invest it in the dream? Make another column for that, perhaps. Mm -hmm. If I had a hundred thousand dollars, how might I invest it in the dream? And the key isn't so much that you would use that money to do that, but to ask yourself the next question: What's keeping you from preparing for that eventual investment? Right on. And work on those things. Because the more prepared you are to be able to utilize resources, Mm -hmm. the more likely you will find the resources at your disposal when you need them. Right. And that's not calling forth from the universe. That's just saying, get, (laughs) that's just saying, get your stuff together. Yeah. And don't let the fact that you don't have the resources keep you from working on your dream. Yeah. Because it's going to open you up to more creative ways to get it done. I totally agree. Even furthermore, it's what it prepares you for is once you have that money, what are you going to do with it then? So you have the money to make this thing, build this thing, and then it starts making more money than it costs to build. What do you do with that money? Mm -hmm. Do you have the ability to scale it? Do you have the ability to grow it? Do you have the ability to multiply it and go into a different venture? Do you have the ability to sell it? Do you have the ability to do everything else? Mm-hmm. Just to your point, yeah, all, everything that did you do in preparation of building this thing is so much more important than the actual money because th- that whole boot camp is what made you yes. capable of it, doing everything else. Right. And the worst thing that could happen to you is that you get money before you need it because like we said, you're more right likely on. to just spend it on stuff that isn't the best use of that resource. And I believe my personal worldview is that everything that I have been entrusted with, I am to make the most use of. Yeah. And I have to have good stewardship of my time, my energy, my wealth, all of the resources, the skills that I have. And I have to make good stewardship Mm -hmm. decisions about those things. Yeah. And if that's the case, and if I believe that it isn't from my own self-generation, but it is, in fact, because of a blessing I receive from God and the work and the skills and everything that I get goes back to him anyway. But if it's all of that, then why wouldn't I then also believe Mm. that the thing that he is desiring of me, he will resource? Amen. And you have to have a vision for where you want to go. Someone said, vision precedes provision. And if we're going to get there, we have to have that vision. And if we set it, captive to financial resources, Mm -hmm. then we have turned to the wrong boss to take our lead. Right on. You know, there was a story I just heard on Sunday night, a couple from Germany, and this is exactly what they're talking about. They said there was a couple who believed in starting a movement in Germany for basically my generation. And they said what they needed to do was get this building to be able to do it, but it cost eight to 10 million euros, right? Mm -hmm. And they thought there's no way we could ever afford that. Mm -hmm. But they said the mission and the vision is greater than what we need to make this happen. And Mm -hmm. so we're going to keep going. Mm -hmm. So they kept going, kept going. And then before they knew it, they had 12,000 youth, you know, like young adults, Mm -hmm. you know, my age or younger showing up. And then all of a sudden they found the people who own this building were willing to sell it to them for 
half the cost, so like 4 million euros. But still, they thought there's no way we can get any bank to give that to us. So they went to a bank and then someone, they found someone who worked at a bank who believed in their cause and then they mm-hmm. kept going. So they hit mm-hmm. roadblock after roadblock, mm-hmm. right? And then the bank says, look, if you can find 180,000 euros as a deposit, we'll give you the rest. And they said, we don't, we don't even have 10,000 euros. And they said, that's, that's all we can do for you. There was a lady inside this ministry that they had always been helping, like an mm-hmm. elderly lady. They'd mm-hmm. always been like bringing groceries for her, all this stuff, sure. right? Uh-huh. At some point, she's basically in her deathbed. She invites them to come to visit her, and she just basically wanted to thank them. And then she said, and this is the person they thought had no money, right? Mm. But she said, hey, for all the years that you guys helped me, I wanted to do something with my savings that I've had, my life savings I've had built up. And I just, I don't know how much to help you guys, but I want to give it to you mm. guys. So a couple of weeks later, she passed. And then a couple of weeks after that, they received a check and it was exactly $180,000. <laughs> that was her entire life savings. You can't plan that. No, you can't. And I think that that is providence at work. That's, that's God's hand at work. And that's who gives us the resources anyway. He mm-hmm. owns the cattle on a thousand hills, but we don't act like it. We, right. we want our cow to come home. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mixing metaphors there. <laughs> That's hilarious. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's probably all the time we have for this topic, but it might be fun to talk about some feedback we got from one of our UK listeners. That's right, people. We've got international. Yeah, it might be our only UK (laughs) listener. (laughs) This is Reinventure Me Gone Global. (laughs) So we got our guy from uh, UK, Alistair. Yeah, Alistair, tell your friends because we want more than than you just... I mean, we love that you're out there listening to us, but, uh, you know, come on. (laughs) But he says, I've been working my way through all of that podcast, and I think they're very interesting and full of good insights. I wish I had a British accent to go with this. I have just listened to episode 30 and was surprised to hear you talking about learning to see success and failure equally. Rudyard Kipling called them imposters. Here's a little bit out of his poem, If. If you can dream and not make dreams your master. If you can think and not make your thoughts your aim. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. Yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And, which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Best wishes and keep up the good work. Yeah, that's great. I love that. And I, and I love the poem yeah. If as well from Rudyard Kipling. And actually, it's kind of fitting for if you can dream and not make the dreams your master. Yeah. You know, it's kind of fitting to what we've been talking about. Right on. Here, right? Yeah, so good. Thanks, Alistair, for writing in. And if any of the rest of you would like to write in and leave us a comment on our show, please visit the show page at reinventure.me slash nine zero for this episode or be unusual and call our show number at <laughs> 612-314-5447. We'd love to hear your voice and love for you to receive our show notes. If you like, you can subscribe at the reinventure.me page. And this is Larry Gates and Armina Sadi. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. 